Greetings. This is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will take a look at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. In our last uh, session, we discussed uh, Deacon Philip doing the work of an evangelist in Samaria. There he had great success in leading many people to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And many people were baptized as the evidence of their new faith. One of them was by the name of Simon Magus. Although this man was baptized and followed Philip in his ministry, it seems that he had not fully repented of his sin. When Peter and John came to Samaria to witness what was happening and to lay their hands on them, that they might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, Peter discerned that Simon Magus was poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Peter confronted him only to hear Simon Magus say, ask him to pray for him instead of repenting of his sin. As we discussed in our last session, church history tells us that Simon Magus continued to be a bad influence in that region which created problems for the Christian church for centuries. After Peter and John had ministered to the people and prayed for them, they began their journey back to Jerusalem. Verse 25 tells us what took place on that journey. So let me read that to you. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, They returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. These men had learned well from the example Jesus had set for them for the past three and a half years. They never lost an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So on their way back, whenever they passed through a city, town, or village, They shared Jesus with all those they met. And in this way, the gospel was spreading rapidly throughout Israel and Samaria. Now, Philip was enjoying a very successful ministry in Samaria. People were filled with joy and there was great enthusiasm throughout the region. But then one day, God, through an angel of the Lord, told Philip to go to Gaza, a 60-mile trip south in a region that was more or less a desert. Gaza was one of the five Philistine cities, and actually, well, it was the hometown of Goliath, the giant that David had killed long ago. So what was God telling Philip to do? He was to leave an active, flourishing ministry that was seeing good results to a place that had traditionally been enemy territory. And as we will soon find out, it was for the salvation of one man. Also, let me point out that God did not tell him why he was going or for what purpose, only that he should go. So, Let's read what took place. Acts chapter 8, 
beginning with verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord arose and spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless somebody guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Peter, Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. What catches my attention right from the beginning is that Philip did not hesitate to obey God. He did not question him or argue by pointing out the successful ministry that he would have to walk away from. He simply packed his bag and immediately began his journey south. Warren Wearsby makes the following observation. Philip was not only a faithful preacher, he was also an obedient personal worker. Like his master, he was willing to leave the crowds and deal with one lost soul. The angel could have told this Ethiopian official how to be saved, but God has not given the commission to angels. He has given it to his people. Angels have never personally experienced God's grace. Therefore, they, they can never bear witness of what it means to be saved. But we can. We know what it is like 
to experience the lostness and despair that sin brought to our lives, the destruction of relationships, finances, families torn apart, relationships shattered. But then we met Jesus and we found out what it was like to have our sins forgiven, our burdens lifted, our lives restored, relationships healed. We learned the joy of knowing that there is truly is a future and a hope awaiting us, not just in this life, but also when Jesus calls us home. We began to experience the truth that we are never alone because Jesus is with us and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We began to, to learn and understand about God and his great love and faithfulness as we began to read his Bible. And we began to understand what we were reading because the Holy Spirit has given to us a spiritual knowledge into the things of God. Even as it is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Yes. We are reminded many times in the Bible that God's ways are not our ways, and this was no exception. God often interrupts our plans and service in very remarkable ways that we find perhaps sometimes difficult to understand. But if we obey, the reason will eventually become clear to us. And this was true for Philip. As he approached Gaza, he encountered an Ethiopian eunuch. William Barclay provides us with the following explanation. This road which led by Gaza would be a road where the traffic of half the world went by. It was a road where Philip would be entirely likely to meet some adventure for Christ Along the road in his chariot, here came the Ethiopian eunuch. He was the chancellor or the exchequer of Candace. Now, Candace was not so much a proper name as it was a title, the title which all the queens of Ethiopia bore. This eunuch had been to Jerusalem to worship. He must have been one of two things. In those days, 
The world was full of people who were weary of the many gods and the loose morals of the nations. They came to Judaism and, and there they found the one God and the austere moral standards which gave life meaning. If they accepted Judaism and were circumcised and took the law upon themselves, they were called proselytes. If they did not go that length, but continued to attend the Jewish synagogues and to read the Jewish scriptures, they were called God-fearers. So this Ethiopian must have been one of these searchers. The Holy Spirit guided Philip to that specific place at that specific time, just when this man was passing by in his chariot. Philip overheard him read a passage out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 53. Now we need to notice a few things. First, this man was a high official of Candace. This means that he was a very wealthy man. And this is confirmed by the fact that he was sitting in his chariot. That means he had a personal driver. This was a man who had wealth, power, and authority. This would also mean that he was not traveling alone. A man in his position would have had uh, several members in his party who traveled with him. Just like when our modern day politicians, dignitaries, or officials travel either within their own prospective country or to a conference in another country, they never travel alone. They always have many people accompanying them. This man's journey was not by chance. This was a 200-mile journey one way to Jerusalem. This tells me that he hungered to know God more. Now we need to understand that the Mosaic Law prohibited a eunuch from entering the temple. However, in Isaiah chapter 56 verses 3 through 5, we read that eunuchs are accepted by God. Listen to what it says. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak, saying, The Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, Here I am, a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths and choose what pleases me and hold fast my covenant, even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. How comforting this must have been to this man to know that he was accepted by the true and living God. While he was in Jerusalem, he worshiped God. He also took time to find and purchase a handwritten copy of the book of Isaiah. This was no ordinary feat, for only the rich could have done that. But this man was so hungry to know about the God of Israel that he spent his time reading from this book of prophecy as they traveled to Ethiopia. It has been observed that 
This Ethiopian represents many people today who are religious. They read their scriptures, they seek the truth, yet they, they do not have saving faith in Jesus Christ. They are sincere, but they are lost. And they need someone to show them the way. Our passage tells us that this man was reading out loud. Well, that was something that they did do in those days. So not only was he reading, but the members of his entourage heard the scripture that was being read. In obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, Philip ran up to that chariot, and as he did, he heard a very familiar passage. On this day, this eunuch was reading from Isaiah 53, which is a key prophecy about the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The specific passage that he was reading when Philip approached was from Isaiah 53, verses 7 through 8. Let's read it again. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. Philip seized the opportunity and asked a wonderful question. He asked this man, Do you understand what you are reading? Have you noticed how God has been working behind the scenes to draw this man to himself? God saw a sincere, hungry heart. God sent his servant on a journey at just the right time. God placed in this man's hands a copy of Isaiah, the book which would reveal the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And God guided his servant Philip to approach him at just the right moment when this crucial passage about the substitutionary death of Jesus was being read. Then, and I believe it was the leading of the Holy Spirit, that inspired Philip to ask a question that would open wide the doors for a conversation to take place. The man was so hungry to know about what he was reading that he was willing to let this man, this Jew, explain the scripture and tell him about Jesus. One commentator makes the following observation. There were plenty of differences between Philip and the eunuch that a less resolute person than Philip may have used as excuses not to engage in conversation. There were racial differences. One was Greek, one was Ethiopian. Religious differences. One was a Jew, one was a Gentile. Vocational differences. One was an evangelist, and one was a government worker. There were socioeconomic differences. One was poor, 
one was rich. There are even physical differences. Philip possibly was hot and dirty from walking, while the Ethiopian likely was cool and clean in his chariot. Philip could have backed down because of those differences, because hmm, he could have been thought a, a robber, a, a beggar, or a fool. But he did not. No. Philip was bold. He knew that he was there for a reason and a purpose. At just the right time, in just the right place. And this was because he had immediately obeyed the command of the Lord back in Samaria. Philip trusted God and obeyed him. I'm reminded of the familiar passage in Proverbs 3, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And so on this day, strengthened by the power and wisdom of God, Philip began to teach this man about this passage of scripture and who it was about. He shared with him Jesus and the fullness of the story of his life and about the forgiveness of sins and the eternal life that is found in him. This man was so receptive to this message about Jesus that as they were passing by a body of water, he suddenly exclaimed, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? This is so beautiful. This question alone tells me that this man's heart had fully embraced the gospel message of Jesus Christ. His heart was so well prepared by the Holy Spirit that when Philip shared Jesus with him, he simply believed. And Philip responded, If you believe with all your heart, you may. This man made his confession of faith, saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Philip's response tells me two things. One, that he had learned an important lesson in Samaria with Simon. Never take anything for granted. You must call for that confession of faith. And two, the quickness of this man's response confirmed his heart had already surrendered to Jesus as Savior and Lord. So this man and Philip went down into the water and Philip baptized him in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Remember, everyone there and everyone passing by on this busy road saw and heard what was taking place. This was a testimony to those observing that this man had received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. 
When they had walked out of the water, the Holy Spirit snatched Philip away in the blink of an eye and deposited him in Azotus, about 20 miles away. Azotus was the ancient Philistine city of Ashdod. And Philip continued sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere he went until he eventually ended up in Caesarea where he took up residence. But he continued his evangelistic ministry and 20 years later we read about him in Acts 21 when Paul and his companions visited him. He was known by all in that city as Philip the Evangelist. And by that time, he had four daughters, and all four were prophetesses. How very important this man's verbal confession was. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 13, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is what that man did. He was able to come to faith in Jesus Christ because Philip obeyed the command of God and the leading of the Holy Spirit. He did not question. He did not hesitate. He simply obeyed. The passage in Romans 10 goes on to say this, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. I would say that Philip had beautiful feet. But how about you? Do you have beautiful feet? Perhaps you would like to have beautiful feet, but you're hesitant. Maybe you're not sure how to begin, or or maybe you feel you don't know how, don't know enough. I think Philip provides us with some effective principles of evangelism that we can follow. First, We need to be where God wants us to be. God set up the appointment, timed the arrival of the Ethiopian, and told Philip which chariot and what to do. Of course, this means that you have to be willing to obey God when he prompts you to act and speak. Second, 
we need to be aware of the people around us. God will help you to perceive who will be receptive to the message. And third, we must be willing to adapt ourselves to where others are. Philip began where the man was. He did not understand the scripture he was reading, but he wanted to know. He was seeking. He was hungry for that knowledge. Philip direct, directly and clearly took this man to a biblical understanding. This means listening first and then meeting the person at his or her point of need or understanding. And finally, be bold in telling those you meet about Jesus. You know, because Philip was willing to trust God and obey, this man was saved. And when he was saved, verse 39 tells us that he went his way rejoicing and he went back to Ethiopia. We know how it works. When somebody is new in the Lord, they cannot keep silent. And now the gospel was going out into Ethiopia because of this man. This was the beginning of the next stage of the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he said "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. My friend, you have also received that power. If the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you have that power to be Christ's witnesses. Stand in the strength of that power. Be bold. Tell the story of Jesus. Yes. The Lord still needs men and women today who are like Philip, who will help others to know about Jesus, sharing with them what the Bible says about him, how he came to earth to live among us, to die on the cross for our sins, to rise from the dead. People all around us need to know that they don't have to carry that heavy burden of sin any longer. You know, Someone once said that there is no sin so great that God's love is not greater still. And that is so true. And aren't we glad of that? Well, will you take up the challenge? Will you tell your world that Jesus saves? Heavenly Father, thank you again for your servant, Philip, who was faithful, Lord. And even when it made no sense, he obeyed you without question. Lord, may we follow his example. When you ask us to speak, when you ask us to go, may we quickly obey without question. We know in our heart that you know what is best and that what you ask of us is good. So Lord, help us to trust in what we know about you, to trust you, to follow you, to obey you, to surrender our lives before you 
that we might be your faithful witnesses in our world today. That we would continue to share the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others might know the love of the Savior, the forgiveness of sins, and receive the gift of everlasting life. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we draw our time together to a close, I, I would like to invite you to send me a quick email if, if you have found these lessons to be a blessing to you. And feel free to ask me if any questions that you might have that I, maybe I can help you with. My email address is BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. That's all just one word, BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. And so on, until next time, my dear friend, may God bless you and lead you into all truth. And may you know the joy of sharing Jesus with those who have not yet heard. Grace and peace be to you.